0: Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain. Problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child five years ago. And if you'd told me then I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, and welcome back. Um, full disclosure, today, right, my prolapse has been bugging me this past couple of weeks. And I think that's most definitely because I've not been doing my pelvic floor exercises or much in the way of other exercise for that matter. And I just wanted to be honest about that. I do not have all this figured out. I am beating myself up a little bit, but there we are. I'm thinking, now that I've said it on here, I'll have to get back to it. Um, so that's it, really. Just wanted to share that with you. Um, let's talk about today's episode. I So I spend a lot of time talking about pelvic floor problems, prolapse in particular, and framing it through my own experience as a mum of young children. You know, I was 36 when it happened, I'd just had a baby. And I know that's the same for a lot of you. But I also know that the older you are, the more likely you are to have a prolapse. In part, it's to do with menopause, making your hormones go wonky. I am not a medical professional. Um, And that makes you lose muscle mass everywhere, including your pelvic floor. So if you hadn't been particularly bothered by pelvic floor problems before, you might be after that. And that's what happened to Dr. Jan Russell, who listens to the podcast and sent me a message. I really enjoyed chatting with her, and this is what happened when okay. I asked her how I should describe um, her.
1: I was going to say I'm, I'm a feisty old crone. Uh, I'm also <laughs> <laughs> I'm a coach and um, a trainer in neurolinguistics, and I'm a I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a gram, um, I'm a mum, you know, yes, I'm many things, yeah. But I'm in my late Love 60s, that. or my latter half of my 60s, um, and I'm enjoying life, so that's
0: who I am. And and that's kind of the key thing, really, because I remember distinctly when I f- put out the first episode of Why Mums Don't Jump last year, and I got a lot of messages, as I do, from women of my sort of age, with yeah. young babies who've just found themselves in this world of pelvic floor problems. Yeah. And then I got one from you. Um I guess kind of making the point like look this is distressing at whatever time yeah. in your life this happens, right? Yeah. Is that is yes. that kind of what you yeah. were feeling?
1: Yes, it was really. It's like it isn't that you get to 60 and you prolapse and so it doesn't matter because as everybody discovers as you get nearer to to certain ages, they don't seem so old anymore, you know. <laughs> It's so it's different perspectives, isn't it? Absolutely. So at 60, I still felt quite invigorated, shall we say. So yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I guess like, if you don't mind talking about it, maybe you can just describe what happened with you. I mean, when did you first realize that you had a problem that things were not as they should be? Uh,
1: just before my 60th birthday. And my partner had planned us a really great holiday Um, And it was starting, it was um, a transatlantic crossing on the Queen Mary. And, you know, I'd never done cruising or big boats, but it sounded great. And the week before when I was in the bath, uh, I noticed that things were not as they should be. And that there was some (laughs) some, uh, pelvic, sort of pelvic organ dislodging. I don't know what we're going to call it. I don't know how to say this. I often describe it quite basically. But I knew that the muscles of my vagina weren't right. Um, and they felt, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of feeling of, oh, wow, they're going to come out sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I knew then that something was was badly wrong. Now, interestingly enough, in the two or three weeks beforehand, I had felt unusual sensations. So I think I had an awareness that something was going awry. But until that moment in the baths, I wasn't 100% sure what. Um, and I suspect that as I was in the bath, I was, you know, kind of listening to my body and exploring, if you will, to find out what was going awry. Mm-hmm. So um, I was alarmed. <laughs> I'd got yeah. visions of, of, you know, being in my glad rags and dancing on the wonderful ballroom floor on this amazing ship, um, really not knowing what would happen next with my no. pelvic organs. And, <laughs> and that Dumb. didn't feel great. I <laughs> know, it's like, no. So I went to the doctors who who told me what had happened. She said that it was a prolapse and that I would almost certainly have to have surgery. And then, of course, when I thought back, um, I did prolapse after the birth of my second child, my son. Okay. Which was when I was 29. And at the time, I remember the doctors really saying and doing very little, telling me to do Kegels exercises. Mm And saying if they didn't work, I'd have to have surgery. And I knew I hadn't fancied surgery, so I had done Kegel exercises and I'd kind of forgotten all about it. So, presumably, after menopause in my 50s and hormonal changes, um, and also doing a lot of working out unsupervised, and I think at a gym. Um, and I think that contributed to be honest, positions of, of machines and things, Mm -hmm. but that's the kind of rough summary of how I knew I had prolapsed. So that was step one, if you
0: like. Yeah. And so, and this was just days, I guess, before you set off on the cruise, did you, you, went presumably, did you? (laughs) I went and I had a
1: great time actually, I have to say, and, um, I did dance and, and, and I had um an extremely good time because what I did was to be sure to rest up in the daytime sometimes and again I did some basic pelvic floor exercises and then I went to my um had an appointment with a consultant when I got back so yes I did have a great time once I got over the first alarm that everything would fall out and drop down you know completely
0: talk to me a little bit about that what was that experience like for you because I don't like I'm just relating it to mine, it sounds like maybe you had a little bit more awareness than I did. I was just, for me, it was a bolt out of the blue. I'd never even heard of a prolapse. If I thought of anything pelvic floor related, I just, I was not expecting that. And, and, and I was, yeah, alarmed is, is the right word. And then yes, that went yes. into sort of, you know, quite a long period of, of feeling like full of grief about it really, and just really down about it. But it sounds like maybe you were a little bit more pragmatic, maybe, I don't know. Well, I was, I was quite scared. Um, mm. I
1: have to say, and I was pragmatic cause I wanted to go on this holiday. So I think I kind of very quickly got my act into gear, but I was alarmed and I didn't know what it was going to mean for me. And I suppose there is an age difference perhaps as in, I mm. thought if I had to have a hysterectomy, you know, at that point in my life, that would be bearable. It would be mm. okay. I'd, I'd had cancer in my 40s as well. So I'd had um, I'd had hormone treatment for my ovaries. Um, so I'd kind of menopause twice. So I guess. I wasn't grieving in that sense, Helen, I didn't feel that if I lost, you know, if I lost all my organs in a controlled way, <laughs> should we say then I could have lived with that without huge grief. I was just I was I was scared, really. of of what was happening and I felt ashamed and I felt, I felt kind of responsible almost as if, you know, what have I or haven't I done that, that, that has meant that this has happened all these yeah. years later. Um, and it is like a, it's a hidden condition, isn't it? It's one yeah. of the many hidden conditions that we live with because on the outside, you know, I'm five foot nine, I'm fairly robust, I look reasonably fit but suddenly, I was faced with there are various things I've got to be very careful with here, and and, and as you know, and I've heard some of you on the podcasts. In the early early months, um, you have no idea really what you are able to do, and yet asking people for help is strange, and it isn't like you're going to say why um, to just anybody. So there's all that stuff, isn't there, that goes on? And I did feel a lot of that, and I felt. Although I wouldn't have grieved my womb in terms of reproduction, I still was a sexual woman yeah um, I still am, so um, that felt also very odd
0: yeah, and i think I think a lot of people listening will relate to it's all like the more i speak to people who've been through it the more it's almost textbook these experiences yeah, you know yeah. talking about you mentioned the shame and the blaming yourself the responsibility yes. what did you do that, that made this happen and when you take a step back from that it's crazy isn't it you can't like yeah. why should you be ashamed of this thing that happened to you you yes. did not do this to yourself yes um but it's really hard to get your, your head around that stuff
1: yes it is it's it's all, and i suppose it's because it's um I mean, let me say, I think it's great what you're doing. Absolutely great. Because uh, part of that shame as well is about women's sexual organs are not easily spoken about. Um, And then there's all kinds of connotations, aren't there? You know, the feeling of failure. Am I still sexual? Am I still, you know, proper woman, whatever it's going to be. So yeah. you are helping to break the taboo, which I think is fantastic. As it is a taboo, you don't sit around the dinner table and somebody says, well, how are you? And you go, well, I'm fine, you know, but my prolapse is playing up and no. the organs are down a bit today, you know? Not yet, we don't, Jan, <laughs> not, a, yet. not yet. <laughs> not yet, well, I could say there's certain people I can do that with, but you know, generally speaking, you don't <laughs> <laughs> Who Who did you tell yeah.
0: at the time? Did, did you have friends you could talk to? Like, Was it something you, could, you felt you could be open about or not really?
1: I told my partner um, who is Mm -hmm. who is empathic um, and understanding of that. And I think I told my sister, she's a little bit older than me and she's a practice nurse. And that was it really. Um, And then the next person I told was the consultant, I think. So, oh, no, that isn't true. I was I was really fortunate. This made a massive difference to everything was that I was having some support from um, Optimum Health, which is an organisation in Lincoln run by Lisa, and I can't think of her surname.
0: Somebody that yes. understands it, and, I've, and I, I know who you're talking about because she follows me on Instagram. And is uh, pronounce it H- Jimenez Card? Yes,
1: it? it is Lisa Jimenez Card. How I could forget that, I don't know, but it, it is. And yeah. she was brilliant because <laughs> <clears throat> I I called her and I went to see her. I'd had some lower back problems, and she'd helped me sort all those out, and she referred me to um, a specialist physiotherapist, which turned out to be incredibly useful, incredibly useful from the off. So I was very fortunate. And I think she was the only other person I told though, Helen. Yeah. I don't think I told anybody else for quite a long time.
0: And then what's what's your journey with it been like since then? I mean, do do you mind talking about your symptoms or how it's affected how you are? No, 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 I
1: don't mind. I think I'm in a management process and probably will be for the rest of my life. I think that's how I experience the journey now. Yeah. I did see um, a consultant at the local hospital and I knew I wasn't going to go back to her. Um, She was very well, you can try your physio if you like, but, you know, it'll have to all come out at some point. Um, Or we can use mesh. Now I'm talking, where are we now? I'm, I'm talking over six years ago. So she she wanted me to have surgery with mesh Mm -hmm. and I was I was instinctively and intuitively very clear I was not having any mesh inside my vagina. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm really pleased about that uh, because we now know there is much more awareness of how incredibly problematic that can be. Um, I'm sure it has worked for some women. And if so, that's great. I also know it's very problematic. So, so um, the journey since then has been through specialist physio, uh, exercise and self care. And I would say that 85, 90% of the time, I don't have any issues with my pelvic floor. I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean, I'm I'm aware of, of taking care of it, but it's one of those things, isn't it? When I feel really quite good, I do strength training, uh, which I did with Lisa as well to begin with. If I feel fit, there's lifting to be done then what i have learned of course is that i can lift if i do it properly yeah but if i'm over enthusiastic say if i if i'm not thinking care and just thinking yeah you know i'm kind of really fit right now then um every now and then I, i will feel the drag yeah i sometimes feel urgency with urination and if i'm if i'm you know kind of caught on a excessive laughter about, or similar, then um, I need to get to the toilet pretty quickly. However, so far, I've been very fortunate, I've not experienced incontinence as a problem. Uh, So I'm grateful for that. Um, And I really think this is very much about how I'm able to maintain the muscle, which which is, you know, as I age, I don't know what's going to happen with that if it'll get more and more weak mm-hmm.
0: or i'm unsure i i guess you you were in school and becoming a mother roughly 30 years or so or 20 or 30 years before i was did you feel like you had any yeah. awareness of anything pelvic floor related did you oh, did no. you know much about postnatal care or menopause or anything oh no, no oh no not at all N- not at all i mean
1: I can remember when I had my first baby and I I I always remember, you know, kind of lying there. I had a birth without any drugs. I was very into, you know, kind of hippie. I'm not having drugs. I want to be at the birth, which was great both times. I loved that. But I can remember having to have stitches after my first baby, and this doctor so embarrassed to be stitching me and telling me oh so embarrassed. He couldn't name anything. He told me I'd have to wear bunny pads. And I, I literally, you know, I, what's, what's that? Exactly. Well, that's where I was. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? I have to wear bunny pads. And it was sanitary towels that he was right. trying to say, but he couldn't say sanitary towel to this woman wow. of 27 who had just given birth, you know. So that was the era, if you like. And that was the, I had great midwives helping with delivery, fantastic midwives. Uh, but the doctors really were, Yes, <laughs> <Left> a lot. <laughs> so they left a lot to be desired. And so when I went in you know, after my second child and we knew that I had prolapse, you mentioned the word prolapse, but I didn't really know what it was. I just knew yeah. that I had to do Kegels. Nobody showed me say a, a model or a diagram of the pelvis, which, you know, Lisa did all this with me and the physio. and It was so educative, mm-hmm. even at 60, you know, there's stuff that, although I thought I knew a lot, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know about the pelvic floor.
0: Yeah, and, and no internet, I suppose, in those days, although the internet's no. not always the, be- the greatest thing to find yourself Googling around <laughs> the, this stuff. But at the same time, at least you can get a basic understanding.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it, Google? Because one of the nice things, actually, was my eldest daughter, uh, actually one of her friends who at that time, I think, was in her probably late 30s, she had a prolapse. And I went out with them one night and she was talking about it so openly. Um, And we were laughing, really. It was was brilliant to be in company where it was easy to talk about. And she was saying, you should Google this, Jan. You know, there's oh, there's some awful ones on the Internet. I'm like, I'm really not going to do that. But uh, it was so wonderful to to have that contrast between, you know, if you like my day of being in the late 20s and early 30s, sort of contrasted with my daughter's friends was, uh, was, was kind of refreshing, you know, some shocking humour, which was just brilliant,
0: you know. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you've got to laugh about it, right?
1: About everything. Absolutely anything, I believe, you can laugh at. And if you can laugh at yourself, you know, in good company, that's all the better, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Um, and I was having a little look at some of the work you do sort of, I, I'm going to say this wrong probably, but coaching into, you know, beyond menopause and into older age. is—is is any of this experience yes, informed yes. some of that?
1: Well, probably, as in, uh, I think because of the work I do and probably I do the work I do because of the person I am, you know how it's often a combination, isn't it, which comes first? I'm very much into resilience and I'm very much into resilient mindset and taking charge of what you can in life. So I think it has informed it because I also became aware of aging, as you very honestly said at the beginning, it it perhaps kind of, it's appreciating that even though we're aging, we still, everything impacts us. We still have feelings and thoughts about things and anticipation of futures, you know? Yeah so um i think it has i think my experience with cancer my experience with prolapse have both impacted me um and i'm very keen to support and encourage women as we go through any age really and because of course i'm postmenopausal and in my 60s i think there's such a need for women to be able to claim visibility and empowerment at any age really helen you know, there's there's kind of different issues in each decade, aren't there? But at any age, we are here, mm. and we have these bodily functions, and they shouldn't be secrets or things to be ashamed of.
0: No, and there's definitely some uh, an issue associated with the, you know, once women are beyond childbearing, once they've delivered their babies, we are we mm. begin to be sidelined, and that only gets gets worse as you get older, and then as you say, the visibility. It's harder. Yes. Um, Thinking about the women who might be listening, who are having that bath moment, (laughs) recently (laughs) found themselves in that position where this is, you know, they've just realised they've got a prolapse or frankly, any other pelvic floor problems. What advice would you have for them?
1: My advice would be to investigate that prolapse with supportive care. So find, you know, kind of both medical and health professionals who you trust and really discover the detail of that prolapse, because as you know, they vary, don't they? Anterior wall, you know, whatever, find out where you're at, and then feel whatever you need to. And, and also know that you can move on to really repair, support yourself in all sorts of ways. And there's no reason for most women, I think, why you can't have a fit and healthy future, you know, possibly more so than before. Um, so I, I think it's difficult to say, you know, don't be frightened, because I think it's a bit frightening. But on the other hand, you know, do know that that passes, and that you can take charge, you can take charge, you need to really be confident, I think, to ask for what you want. Uh, don't settle for advice, medical advice that you that you know, doesn't feel right. Um, feel confident to ask for help even if you know you look like um, a very fit woman if you know that you can't lift something today ask for help you know don't be a hero and what did you say when we started talking be a feisty old what was it (laughs) a feisty old crone head towards your feisty (laughs) old crone so be a feisty young woman you know be feisty i do think this is about you know really if we stop long enough we we do know our bodies don't we yeah so you know kind of fight for your body fight for your body put that feistiness into you are worth looking after and do it you know as soon
0: as you have any uncertainties absolutely and if your doctor says anything about bunny pads set him straight (laughs) or her
1: well actually change doctor immediately (laughs) You weren't having
0: enough energy to be educating your doctor. You need somebody who can help you. Bunny pads. Wow. I'd like to say that wouldn't happen today, but honestly, after some of the stories you've told me, I can't be sure. There's definitely still work to be done. Jan, by the way, is at Dr Jan Russell on Instagram. That's Dr D-R-Jan, Jan J A N Russell, R-U-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S Next week, Amanda Savage is a pelvic health physio who knows everything you need to know about pelvic floor gadgets. From weights to biofeedback, magnetic chairs and devices that let you control video games with your pelvic floor. If there's a collective term for this stuff, I haven't found it yet. I'd quite like to use the word gadgets, but you know, like vagina and gadgets. Uh, but it might have already been taken, so I don't know, your thoughts are welcome on that. You can now support Why Mums Don't Jump at buymeacoffee.com forward slash do not jump, and it can be completely anonymous if you prefer. You can find the link in the show notes or on social media at do not jump or online at whymumsdon'tjump.com. Uh, again, I'm not a medical professional, so please don't take anything you hear as medical advice, but do get involved, post a review, tell me what you think, and spread the word. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. Bye for now.